Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us before I begin. Father, we just pause for a moment to just beg, Father, for the Holy Spirit to fall upon us, Lord. Lord, we just ask for uh, His presence that already dwells within our hearts as believers to well up, Father, and to speak to us and to give us clarity and understanding of the text, Father. I pray that as we open the word of Scripture that you would speak to us in powerful ways. I pray, Lord, that we would be through the power of the Holy Spirit, working in our hearts, transformed more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's for His honor and it's for His glory that we pray. Amen. Well, welcome to VBS Sunday morning. Everything's a little bit different around here on VBS. We started a number of years ago with VBS on a Sunday morning to impact as many kids as possible, hoping to get all these children in and excite them about what we're doing. So we did some things a little differently. This morning we had a, a big adult Sunday school class at 930 uh, in here for all of our adults, Derek Williams taught that. Derek, fabulous job, as always. Very nice. Uh, Derek is one of our very talented Sunday school teachers. We've got a lot of them. That's one of the things I've always been impressed by at our church is we've got a lot of people that lead on Sunday mornings that teach the Word. You know, there's a secret to church growth, and you can go to all sorts of seminars, and you can learn all sorts of interesting tricks, but if you really want to grow the church, you preach the Word. That's the truth of what the Bible says. And I'm so thankful that he does that. This is an exciting morning for us. Things are different. In case you haven't noticed, we've got a roller coaster running through the middle part of our stage here. Very exciting for these kids. You guys that weren't in here at 930 missed this, but there's a car over there that actually rolls. And a picture of Philip McClung, our preschool children's minister, is in it. So they started the 930 time with this little car rolling down through here. So it's so exciting. So neat to see all these children. And I always love VBS Week because of the buzz, just the excitement. All week people have been in this building decorating and preparing and all week people will be here and there will be literally hundreds of children. But here's what you need to know about VBS. VBS is the biggest evangelistic week of the year for our church, period. Bar none. We have a greater opportunity this week to impact the kingdom of Christ than any other week of the year. And so I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to be in prayer for all the Lord is going to do and, and for all the hearts that he's going to change and stir. And I know a lot of times we think about VBS being just for children. We have an adult VBS as well. Edward Rogers, who I'm sure is in here somewhere, will be teaching. There's Edward right there. Edward is a great teacher. He's been teaching now for the last several years, adult VBS. Every night at 6.30, Edward, am I, am I saying that right? 6.30, there'll be an adult VBS, a time of Bible study for you guys. Uh, so be thinking about that, praying about that. And then next Sunday, we'll have kind of a family fun afternoon to kind of cap off VBS and to celebrate. So if you've got young children that are in VBS... Next Sunday afternoon, we'll have water games, and we'll provide you lunch free of charge. Hang out for a couple hours and and play uh, in the afternoon sun. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Here's the summary of what I'm about to say out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. We are called to shape and to mold our children into the image of Christ. We are called to shape and mold our children into the image of Christ. Now, we've seen throughout the Scripture that first and foremost, that's a parental responsibility. If you are a parent, 
It's your responsibility to disciple your children. It's your responsibility to train your children, moms and dads. It's your responsibility to lead within the home, to pray, to have Bible study, to have spiritual conversations with your children. We understand as a church, it's our job as best we can to partner with parents to help them figure out how to share Christ in the home. Now, we started back last year praying through kind of a family ministry plan for our church, and we based it on Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we had a big summit at the beginning of the year, and we're going to have more summits and more training. We're trying to figure out how to kind of ramp that up and continue to train our parents. But we based it on Deuteronomy chapter 6, and so I want to read for you Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, before we delve into our passage of study this morning. This was an, an incredibly crucial text of Scripture for the children of Israel. It kind of formed the foundation for their faith, it formed the foundation for their homes, it formed the foundation for everything they would seek to accomplish in their lives based on this passage of Scripture. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. By the way, we're calling it our D6 family ministry based on Deuteronomy chapter 6. You've heard that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up and tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So here's the picture, Israel. Love the Lord and teach your children to love the Lord. That's the picture. That's the foundation. And it's more than just a casual mention of who Christ is and who the Lord is in your life. You should talk about them as you walk along the road. You should talk with them as you sit at home. You should talk with them when you lie down and when you get up. And I challenge you, men and women, moms and dads, grandparents, how often are we talking with our kids about the things of the Lord? How many other things are on our priority list above the priority of sharing Christ in our home But Deuteronomy does something very interesting in the next few verses. Moses, who's the writer of Deuteronomy, says to these people, and the Lord says through Moses, that there will come a time when you're in the promised land. Remember, they wandered for 40 years. They came out of Egypt and captivity in Egypt, and they came out of captivity as slaves, and they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And the Lord says, there will come a time when you're in the promised land, and there will come a time when the Lord's going to give you cities and houses and blessings that you yourself did not build. That's what the Bible says. There will come a time when I'm going to provide with you, the Lord says, all of these things, all these houses and possessions and wealth and food and all the things that you need, I'm going to give you all those things, and you didn't have anything to do with it. It reminds me of our culture today. It reminds me of all the Lord has done for us that we ourselves have not done. That's easy for us to kind of get the big head and then kind of get full of ourselves and kind of get excited about all the things that we've accomplished until we recognize the blessings the Lord has placed upon us and the gifts that he's bestowed upon us. And so Deuteronomy says there'll be a time when you're in the promised land. There'll be a time when the Lord has given you all these things that you yourself did not build. There's a time when you'll recognize the blessings of God. And then it says, and this is going to be our text for this morning, there will come a time when your children ask about it. There'll come a time when they say, Dad, tell me about the blessings of the Lord and all he did for us. Dad, tell me about all the things that God has given to us. 
Tell me, Dad, why it's important for us to spend time in the Word of God. Tell me, Mom, why it's important to read my Bible. Tell me why it's important to think about the things of the Lord. And so here is our text this morning with that context in mind. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 20. I think we have these on the screens. In the future, and this is looking ahead to the promised land, when your son asks you, so here's the question. Dad, you could put that in front, or Mom, What is the meaning of the stipulations, the decrees, and the laws the Lord our God has commanded you? In other words, what's up with following the commandments of the Lord, Dad? That's kind of how they say it. They still say, what's up, by the way? Anybody? Is that like 90, circa 1990s, and I'm just thinking I'm still cool, or nobody's saying that anymore? Whatever. Dad, what's going on with following the laws of the Lord? Why should we follow? What's the meaning of the teachings and the laws and, and obeying, right? So when your son or daughter asks you, Dad, why are we supposed to follow? Why do we have to go to church? Why do we need to study the Bible? What's the Lord up to? Here's the answer in verse 21. Tell him. You ready? It couldn't be any clearer than that. Here's what you say. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. Verse 23, but he brought us out from there to bring us in and to give us the land he promised, an oath to our ancestors. And the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey All this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Very powerful passage of scripture. The Lord says to these people, when the moment comes when your child asks you about the Lord, or asks you about the gifts of the Lord, or asks you about the blessings of the Lord, there are three things you need to tell them. And so I want to talk this morning about the three things we ought to be teaching our children, whether it's your child, whether it's your grandchild, whether it's a niece or a nephew, or whether, now watch this, it's a child in this church whose parents don't care about the things of the Lord at home. We have a lot of those. Praise God that he's seen fit in his infinite wisdom to allow these kids to show up at our church this week, but there will be kids this week in our building that will go home and never hear the name of Christ again. And so although we command and we read and we understand that we're to teach our children in our homes, we understand there are kids that are not going to hear. And so as a church, we need to do all we can this week to share Christ. But there are three things we ought to be teaching our children based on this passage of Scripture. Here's the first one. Number one, we must teach our children about, first of all, God's power. When's the last time you had a discussion with your kids about the power of the Lord? Was the last time you had a discussion with your spouse about the power of the Lord? When's the last time you yourself, in some context in your life, recognized the power of the Lord? Here's the example that we see in verse 21. You tell your son, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a, here's the phrase, mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and on his whole 
household. So here's, here's the point of the Exodus. If you were to go back and read the book of Exodus, the point of the Exodus, we think about what God did for the children of Israel and his plan and all those things were part of the overall scheme. But the point of the story of Exodus was to show the people God's power. That's what he did. He wanted to display his glory. See, he could have very easily gone and just changed Pharaoh's heart and allowed the people to go and everybody would have been happy. Hey, thank you, Pharaoh. You're a sweet guy and everything. He didn't do it that way. He sent ten plagues, great and terrible signs and wonders, and the Jewish people saw through that his power and his mighty hand. Now, you know the story of the people of Israel. They had been in captivity For probably about 400 years, Moses was called to rescue them. He went into Egypt and he spoke to Pharaoh and he said to Pharaoh, you need to let my people go. And of course, Pharaoh's response was, no. (laughs) And Moses said, if you don't let my people go, there are going to be a series of plagues. And they're going to be great and terrible and powerful and you're going to see the mighty hand of the Lord. And so uh, through a series of ten plagues, Pharaoh eventually relents. And the final plague, if you remember, is the death of the firstborn. The Bible says that the death angel kind of swept across the land of Egypt and every firstborn was killed except for those that painted the blood. You remember the story over the post of their house. And at that point, the death angel, you remember the story, passed over. That's where we get the picture of the Passover. But for the Jewish people, the Exodus was the central point in history. It was the defining moment of Jewish history when the Lord demonstrated his power. See, here's the problem with power. Sometimes we don't understand it until we see it, do we? See, Moses could have talked about the power of God all he wanted to, but until the children of Israel saw that power, they didn't fully understand it. He could have gone to Moses and explained exactly what the Lord was going to do and talked about the Lord's power, but the Pharaoh didn't believe in that power until he, what, saw it. It's easy for us to contemplate and to think about the power of the Lord, but sometimes we don't fully understand it until we experience it in our own lives, do we? I had the opportunity last summer to to do something I've never done before. I went to a NASCAR race. NASCAR fans, it's okay. You can raise your hand in church and say you're a NASCAR fan. It's okay. You're not sinning to do that. It's okay. Just three of you, really? No more? How many of you have been to a NASCAR race? See, look at that, right? means you went one time and you're no longer a fan. I understand, yeah. So this is my first NASCAR race, and I was told, you're not going to believe the power. That's what I was told. I was like, well, you know, okay. I mean, I've been to some college football games with big crowds, and, you know, I've seen Major League foot Baseball and, and NFL. I, you know, I've been to some big events and some pretty big concerts. You know, I went to a Toby Mac concert one time. You guys ever seen Toby Mac in concert? I was 150 yards from the stage and my chest cavity was rattling from the inside. I'm serious. It's amazing. But I was told, when you, when you go to this NASCAR, you're, you're not going to, you just don't understand the power. I was like, you know what, can this, you know, come on. So, you know, take your earplugs, right? And if you've got some of the big ones to put over, do that. So I had my little cheap Walmart earplugs, you know, 12 decibel reduction. I don't know if that's good or bad, right? So I'm sitting and I'm thinking to myself, you know, when they start these cars up, because that's what everybody said, when they start them up, that's the time. Right, and there's 40 plus cars right there together. We were right there, kind of at the right the back part of the line. And I'm thinking, you know what? I want to experience this without these earplugs. <laughs> I just want to I just want to sense this power once with my ears. I kind of want to hear it with my own ears, right? And so I'm sitting there, and well, they did the little 
gentlemen start your engine, whatever they say, you know, and they start firing those things and louder and louder and louder. And it got to a point that I, I mean, I literally felt like I couldn't take it anymore, like I was going to go insane. Have you, have you ever had that experience? It was so loud. And so at that point, I'm, you know, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to rub those things to real small so you can stick them in and they expand, you know, I'm, and I stick it in and hurry, 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 you know, it's expanding very, very slow. And finally, it kind of drowns the sound out. But even with those earplugs, that, that was incredible. And you could just, you could feel the ground shaking. You've seen it if you've been there, right? I can tell you all about that, right? I can explain that all I want to. But until you've sat in that audience and you've seen those things run around that track, it's hard for you to experience and understand. It's like that with the Lord. We can talk about Him and think about Him and read about Him. But until we've seen that experience in our lives, when we've seen His hand at work, it's hard for us to understand. For the Jewish people, for the Jewish people, their experience with the things of the Lord were the Exodus. Now, it's not limited to the Exodus. We could go through Scripture and spend a lot of time talking about the power of the Lord and His creation and how He protected the Israelites and defeated their armies and part of the Red Sea. And we could move to the life of Christ and all the miracles that He did. And He healed the blind. He caused the lame to walk and the deaf to hear. And we could talk about feeding the 5,000. We could talk about the, the ultimate miracle of Christ being risen from the dead through the power of God and the Holy Spirit working in His life. We, we could talk about all those things, but here's how we need to translate that today. We need to tell our kids about the Lord's power. You say, how do we do that? We, 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 we do that by helping our kids understand the stories and how God has worked in our past and how we've experienced His power firsthand. So your kids need to understand how the Lord has worked in your life. Your kids need to hear the stories of faith. Your kids need to hear mom and dad talking about how the Lord blessed them and how the Lord provided for them and how the Lord did this. Your kids need to hear dad talking about how God is working in his heart at work through a coworker, or mom talking about how God is working in the heart of somebody she's with on a regular basis. Your, your kids need to hear those stories. Your kids need to understand how God has demonstrated his power in your life. Maybe it's as simply as your salvation experience. How many of us have actually shared our salvation experience with our kids? If you went to your child right now and say, explain to me how daddy became a Christian, would they know? They probably know you're a believer, but could they tell the story? Do they know about all the answered prayers in the past? Do they know about the times that, that maybe we've prayed for a healing and we've experienced a miracle in somebody's life? Have they heard those stories See, our kids need to understand the power of the Lord. And I think the best way we can do that as parents, as leaders, is to share those stories. Let them hear what God has done in your own heart. Let them experience what God has done in your life. And then in those very moments when we experience as a family or with your children the power of the Lord, don't miss that chance. Don't miss that opportunity to say, you see how God's working here? Do you see the power of the Lord working in our heart? Do you see the power of the Lord working in our family? The Bible says very clearly, when your children ask about the Lord, you first of all tell them about the power. Now here's the second thing. Look at verse 23 again. The Bible says, but he brought us out from there, he's speaking about out of Egypt, to bring us in and to give us the land that he, here's the important word, promised on oath to our ancestors. So, so not only should we teach our children about God's power, number one, but number two, we need to teach our children about God's promises. It's not just about his mighty power and his outstretched hand. It's not just about the great signs and then the terrible wonders and all the things that he accomplished. It's not just about his power. It's also about his promises. 
Now let's remember the promise that God had made to the children of Israel. If we were to back up into the book of Genesis, in the early portion of the book of Genesis, we'll remember the story of Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, the Lord says to Abraham, actually that time his name's Abram, he's going to later change his name. The Lord said to him, go from your country, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. Now there's faith right there, right? Abraham, I'm not going to tell you where to go, and it's very easy for us as we think about our lives to want to know what the next few years are going to hold for us, right? Lord, what do you want from me in a couple years, right? What's going to be three years, five? What's my 10-year plan, Lord? The Bible doesn't ever tell us he's going to give us our 10-year plan. The Bible says it'll, the word of God will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path one step at a time. So the Lord says to Abraham, go, there's a land I'm going to show you. You pack up everything and leave. I'm not going to tell you where you're going yet. You just trust me and have faith. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So the Lord has made this incredible promise to these Jewish people. So they go into slavery, and they're beginning to wonder, is this promise real because we're slaves in Egypt? Are we really going to be made into a great nation? Is the Lord really going to bless us? And along comes Moses, and through the power of the Lord, they're freed, and they go into the wilderness, and 40 years later, they walk into the promised land, and God showed them, and he demonstrated to them the promise that he had made. But now here's what we begin to do. We read this text, and we think, well, that's a great story. And I'd love to tell my children about this. This is a factual historical account. I'd love to tell my children about these promises the Lord made to the children of Israel. But what sort of promises has he made to me? What sort of promises has he made to my family? Has he, has he made to my children? What are the promises of the Lord that I can share with my family now? Well, there's several promises we could talk about. We could talk first of all, and we should talk first of all, about the promise of salvation. Christ offers us through his death on the cross, salvation for all who would believe. So we see passages like Romans 10, chapter 9, and many of you know this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John three sixteen, probably the, the, the most familiar passage in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's a promise all through the word of God of salvation. That's first and foremost. We could talk about the promise of the Lord's love. And so we read passages like Romans 8, 37, 38, where the Bible says, Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do we talk about that with our kids? Do they know that regardless of what happens, no matter the situation, that God loves them? I tell my kids very often, I have conversations with my children oftentimes when they're in trouble, unfortunately. And I'll say to them, you know, I love you so much that I have to discipline you. And I love you so much that I don't want you to act this way. But I'll always tell them, I want you to, I'll say this to them, I want you to hear me now. It doesn't matter what you do or where you go or where life leads, I will always love you. I tell my kids that all the time. It doesn't matter. I'm daddy and I'm always going to love you no matter what. Do we tell our kids that about Christ? 
Do they understand the love of the Father in sending His Son? Do they understand who He is and what He's accomplished and how His love will trump everything else in this world? Do we talk about the promise of the love of God with our children? How about the promise of grace? Do we talk about grace with our kids? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says this, is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. He said to me, now listen, my grace is sufficient for you. And now here's where it's going to flip. It doesn't make any sense to us after this. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Do we talk about the grace of the Lord in our lives? Do we show our kids and demonstrate to our children how God has given us grace and and given us mercy and given us love? We, We could talk about the promise of death, the promise of victory over death, and we see passages like 1 Corinthians 15. Verses 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and He was buried, He was raised on the third day according to our Scriptures. On and on and on we could go, right? I mean, I just took a few. There are promises after promises after promises, and you begin to say, okay, that's great. So I need to be teaching our children about the promises of God, but how do I do that? How do I teach my kids that those promises are important to me? Here's how, by making the things of God a priority in your home. They need to know that you hear those promises and that you really believe them. And there's a difference. It's very easy for us to go to church and kind of compartmentalize things, right? So here's church. And we're going to do that on Sunday morning. We're going to go to Sunday school and worship and all. We're going to do church. And then that's one compartment of our life. And then we're going to have another compartment where we do this, sports. Another compartment is going to be work. Another compartment is going to be social. Another compartment is going to be family time. And we, we kind of compartmentalize these things. But here's what we do oftentimes when that takes place. Our children begin to notice that when we're at church, we just kind of talk about church things in the Lord here, but we don't talk about him anywhere else. And so when we go to baseball practice or when dad goes to work or when mom goes to school or whatever it looks like for your family during the week, how does that connect to the things of the Lord? How does Christ connect to work on Monday morning? How does Christ connect to baseball practice? How does Christ connect to vacation? See, our kids need to understand that we know those promises and that those promises are important for us. You know, I bet we got a lot of college football fans in here. I bet I could go around the the congregation and ask you your favorite team and who's going to win the national championship, and I get a lot of different responses. But I, I got a feeling in your house If you're a pretty big college football fan, your kids know who you cheer for, don't they? I bet there's no doubt in your home if you're a college fan. Maybe you're a baseball fan or some sports fan or you've got a hobby like fishing or hunting or whatever, shopping ladies, whatever that looks like. Whatever you really like or really enjoy or really pull for, I bet your kids know it, right? I bet if I asked them, they'd know who you pull for or what you do or what's important in your life. And there's nothing wrong with those things, but how often do we connect our life with Christ? Do they know that Christ is important to us? Do they know that we understand the promises of the Lord and that we're willing to follow those promises? Do they see that those promises are such a big deal that we're actually going to live our lives as if they're true? (laughs) Because it doesn't help our children to go to church on Sunday morning to think about the things of Christ and never connect that to any other part of our life. I'm telling you, if we do that, we're going to have a problem when our kids grow up. They're going to compartmentalize Christ and we're going to wonder why they fall away from church. You know, 70 to 80% of students, when they leave the high school ministry of their church, leave the church and some of them never come back. Did you know that? 70 to 80% statistically 
across the board. Those are not numbers I've made up. Those are hard-line research numbers. Seven out of every ten kids that leave when they graduate high school, that have grown up in a church, leave the church. You say, why is that? Well, there's a lot of statistics. There's been a lot of research. But I'm telling you, one of the main problems is they've got families that go to church on Sunday morning and never connect it through the week. It's just another compartment. And if they quit doing it, it's not a big deal to anybody. We need to be teaching our children about God's promises. Here's, here's the third thing we need to do as we read verse 24. So the Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we may always prosper... That's important than be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. So we talk about the power of the Lord with our children. We talk about the promises of the Lord with our children. Here's the third thing. We must teach our children about God's provisions. Not only does he have power to demonstrate who he is, Not only has he given us all these incredible promises, but there are provisions he's going to make for us to take care of us. God will provide. When we think about the children of Israel, and we think about their life and and kind of how they walked through the wilderness. It's very interesting when you read through the text of the Old Testament and you read their story wandering through the wilderness. Even in the darkest moments of their history, the Lord always provided. Even when they wandered and were sinful, the Lord always provided. Even when they railed against Moses and they said, we don't want to follow you anymore. We want to go back to the land of Egypt. Even though we were in slaves, at least we had fresh fruit there. Even when they railed against those teachings and didn't trust in the Lord, he always provided for them. And I just wonder, and I ask myself the same question, how often do we have conversations with our kids about all the Lord has provided us? How often do we talk about with our children all the things that God has given us? How oftentimes do we sit down for a meal and we, we, we have a, hopefully we have a blessing and then we never talk about the things of the Lord again? I was thinking about all the opportunities to, to discuss the provisions of the Lord and the things that we own and the things that we eat and, and the way that we live our lives. You know, if you're intentional about this and you're aware of this, you can begin to insert these kind of moments in, into just about everything that you do. We call this in our D6 family ministry God sightings, Right? And we say, you know, find an opportunity where you can talk about the Lord and just have a conversation with your kid. You don't have to have some theological degree to talk about God's provisions, do you? You don't have to know a whole lot of scripture to talk about all that God has given you. How about the next time it's raining and you're sitting in there, a big bolt of lighting hits, right? Wow, kids, aren't you thankful that God has given us a nice house that keeps us dry and warm? Aren't you glad the Lord has provided us with a house with a, with a roof so we don't get wet? You know, and we, we go into the story. You know, we had a group that went to Guatemala. Or maybe you say, I went to Guatemala and I saw people that didn't have that. Or maybe I went to Zambia. Or I know the people going to Zambia and their children, they don't have a home and don't have parents that love them. Aren't you thankful, kids, that the Lord has provided our family with a house that keeps us warm and dry? You know, when you're in the car driving to work or driving to school or driving to practice, and you say, Lord, and you say, kids, aren't you happy and aren't you excited that the Lord has given us a car? <laughs> To take us places. We don't have to walk to church. We don't have to walk to school. We don't have to walk to baseball practice, right? The Lord has provided us with a vehicle that, that takes us where we want to go. The next time you're watching the news and you hear of some unrest in another country, which you hear about that now all the time, right? How about stopping for a moment and pausing with your kids and thanking the Lord that you live in a country of peace and freedom? 
Most people in the world don't live there. You understand that, right? I mean, the mere fact that you're born in America is an incredible blessing. See, the ideas really are limitless in how we can teach our kids about the provisions of the Lord. We just need to be intentional. We just need to be aware. We just need to be thinking about our reliance on the Lord. But here's our problem. And this is the world we live in in the Western world. It's very difficult for us to see the provisions of the Lord because we're so focused on the provisions we've provided for ourselves, aren't we? I believe the more I study and the more I try to understand missions in other cultures and what the Lord's doing in other parts of the world, I believe with all my heart that one of our barriers in America to seeing the work of Christ is the material things we put before us. I mean, there are people in other countries, folks, that literally have to pray for every meal. You understand that, right? (laughs) And they're not certain they're going to eat it. There are people in in other countries that literally pray that the rebels won't sweep through their village tonight and kill their families. And they really have to trust the Lord to protect them. There are people in other countries that literally have to pray for a job tomorrow because they don't have a steady job. They they pray that somebody will pick them up in the morning, maybe in a bus or in a truck, and pay them four or five dollars a day so they can come home and provide the next meal for their family. It's interesting because you talk to people in other countries, especially poverty areas, they don't understand future plans. We understand the future and thinking through and retirement and plans and what we're going to do next week and next month and next year. This is my long-range goals. Those people don't understand the future. Seriously, they don't understand it. You know why? Because they're worried about tomorrow. They've never considered next week or next month or next year. They're literally trying to figure out where the next meal is going to come from. I think sometimes it's so easy for us to get blinded by all the things that we have and all the things that we do and forget the provisions of the Lord. Kids, aren't you excited the Lord provided us with this bountiful meal and all this food that we're going to throw away half off because we can't eat it all? Aren't you thankful for that, kids? Aren't you thankful that that the Lord gave mom or dad a a good enough job that we we can have a nice house and provide for you? Aren't you thankful that the Lord has given us the ability to be able to have this car to drive us where we want to go? I think sometimes we miss the blessings of the Lord because we're so busy thinking about all the other things of life. But here's the truth of the matter. Our kids, our children, our grandchildren, the kids of this church need to hear about what the Lord has done in our life. They need to see it demonstrated in us. They need to hear our stories. They need to see the truth of who Christ is. They need to see how he's working in our life and how he's worked in the past. They need to see his power. They need to see his promises. They need to see his provisions and all the things he's going to accomplish. Because here is the truth, and I'm going to close with this. God is calling our children, watch this now. God is calling our children to do incredible things in this world. What are we doing to prepare them for that work? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word, for the clear teaching of your word, Father, for a text that is challenging to us, Lord. It challenges us to think more about you in our hearts and to think more about you with our children, with our families, Father. Just forgive us for not putting you first in all things, Father. Forgive us for not being serious about who you are in our daily walk and and, in our discussions with our children, Father. And we know that we live in a busy society, Father, and there are so many things that we're going to do and that we have to do, and we understand that, and you understand that, Lord. But help us, even in the midst of all that, to put you first, to be intentional about who you are, 
to be intentional in the lives of our kids about your power and about your promises and about your provisions. And then, Father, I pray that through that you would just, just through the power of the Holy Spirit in ways we can't even understand, Father, you just shape and mold our children in the context of the love and of their home and of this church to be godly men and women. And our prayer is Deuteronomy 6, Lord, that our children would love you with all their hearts, with all their souls, with all their minds, with all their strength, all the days of your life. May we prepare them even now for that moment. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.